Night has fallen over this lonely mining town. That one-eyed polar bear roams the streets. A group of scientists vanish into thin air. A years-old cold case has been reopened. What is happening in the city of Ennis, Alaska? True Detective Night Country opens up this icy mystery box for us to explore. This week on We Watched What? Episode 1. Welcome to the end of the world. first episode of We Watched What. I'm your host, Jarvis Did What, and before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to let the listeners know that you could catch me live on Twitch, or if you enjoy the podcast and you want to stay connected, you can follow me on social media. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Jarvis Did What. I've always wanted to start a podcast and just have a place where I could discuss film and behind the scenes and you know, actors and casting choices and directors, like all of that, all those details that go into making movies and television and even video games, um, that stuff has always interested me. And I wanted to create a place where we could openly discuss all of the details that, you know, keep us hooked and keep us coming back as fans of, you know, whatever property it is. I consume a show, like, or maybe a show consumes me. Um, Whenever I start a show or I start a series and I really like it, you know, I dive into the details. I want to know like the behind the scenes. I want to know what the actors think. You know, I want to watch the interviews, how they formulated the script, all of the details that like some people might find unnecessary. I just find so intriguing, but I wanted to have a space where I could, you know, just openly talk about entertainment and what I'm watching right now. And I don't know, it just, it just sounded like a lot of fun. And this season of True Detective just really inspired me to get started with the podcast. Season four of True Detective just released and it's been highly anticipated. It's definitely a comeback for True Detective. It airs Sundays on HBO and Max. I highly suggest watching the episodes before listening to this podcast because this is an after show. Um, we are going to be discussing spoilers and plot details. And I'm joined today by one of my best friends, Bees and Waffles. You can find Bees and Waffles on twitch.tv slash Bees and Waffles. Well, I guess I wanted to say that this podcast has been like a long time like in the making because I wanted to do this a while ago. Um, so I was happy to do it with this show because it's different. The season's very different, and I guess I just wanted to ask you, what do you know about the show, like the actual show, like not just the season? Well, no, I haven't watched any of the other detective seasons. This is the first one, but I really do like mystery shows or detective shows. Yeah, because I remember you watched Gone Girl, and there was another, there was another mystery that you watched that you really liked. I've watched season three and one, I haven't watched the second season, but uh, I guess what I like about them is that they're all different. Like they're all their own separate story. 
for the most part, I think you can go into each season completely, like, blind. And, I don't know, I kind of wanted to test that with you, like, being, like, new to it. I just wanted to be like, can somebody watch this first episode of this season and, you know, like it or, you know, understand it, I guess. And, I mean, <laughs> understand it to the extent of it being a mystery and, you know, fresh, like a fresh eyes, I guess, like a fresh take on the episode and the series. I know you were talking about it for a while and about that, the show coming <laughs> out and you were excited about it. And I was like, ooh. I think I remember telling you that, like, Jodie Foster, I was like, this is her big comeback to television and i love her uh she plays the chief like that's that's jodie foster she oh. was yeah she so she was the one in silence of the lambs you know silence of the lambs is about like hannibal lecter hannibal the cannibal mm-hmm. and she was in that movie and i'm i believe she won an oscar for it and she never returned to the series like i was so excited to see that she's back in like detective shoes <laughs> And also I had heard that the season was going to be, was going to involve Native Americans to like some degree. Not only are we getting Jodie Foster, but we're going to have like a Native American storyline. Like I'm in, like I'm there. So I kind of explained this to you. How I thought this would work is that we would like just have a general kind of just which, what were you, after you watched the episode, kind of what were your thoughts? Um, You know, did you like it? Did you hate it? And then we would go into the plot details like we would break down the story and then at the end we would maybe say our predictions or like our theories for the next episode or maybe even like the season overall all right this episode has definitely like caught my attention and i'm excited to continue watching the series yes i like how they with like the native elements that they brought in just in the beginning with like the throat singing that they did Mm mm-hmm part of like the native culture i was like oh my gosh especially in like just media today like you don't really you don't and i think i mentioned that to you too like we don't see that a lot and also i thought that was like a european thing was like throat season throat throat singing i wouldn't say the show's educational but it is educating people you know like about just a different culture and i really really like that i'm glad you liked the episode though because <laughs> i really did and uh, I guess I was just sort of nervous about the, like, horror elements of it all. Cause, yeah. Yeah, because you're not a horror fan. Like, I, you, I would... you didn't warn me of the things <laughs> I'd see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we should probably have a discussion. Like, the HBO shows are just notorious for romantic scenes, I guess. Wait, you watch Those Game of Thrones. Those You watch Game of Thrones, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay, so you kind of know HBO. <laughs> when it comes to people doing things <laughs> i thought the whole theme this episode like even though we were being introduced to just a whole bunch of people and like storylines and stuff like that i thought the theme was this town it was definitely like setting the world that we're living in basically and there was a billboard of the town like the opening shot of the town and it said Ennis? Ennis, Alaska? I think that's what the town is called. It said, Ennis, Alaska, welcome to the end of the world. And there's like a little subtitle that says, it's the last sunset of the year. And then it, it kind of made me think like, oh, this might be one of those towns where the sun sets for like a month or whatever. And like, it's just nighttime for a long period of time. Because I know yeah. there's, yeah, I know there's towns like that. Like, I, I don't know where they are. Like, I can't, 
I can't point to them on a map, but I know that exists because there is a scary movie around that idea that like <laughs> I don't remember what the movie know, was like, called. Twenty eight days of night or something. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was something like that. Like, uh, and I think there's like some vampires that came <laughs> to the <laughs> to the village and they were like, mm, "We get to eat for like thirty days." Oh my god, <laughs> I remember that. I don't remember watching it, but I do remember that name. <laughs> but yeah, I was like, "Oh, it's like one of those towns," and I didn't clock that you know it's called true detective night country um and i didn't think that that was going to be like a part of the series was like oh everything's just at nighttime it works like it makes everything super creepy and mm -hmm. um but i did like that we got like a sunset shot like we got to see the sun just a little bit and then they took it away from us so what was happening you know as the sun was setting is this man he was hunting i think it was elk maybe i don't, I don't Deer, maybe caribou caribou oh yeah he was getting ready to kind of like shoot at this like herd of caribou and the sun sets and the caribou just start like screaming like towards the like night sky and they just like stampede away what do they do waffles jump off the edge yeah they jumped off a cliff <laughs> like they just a full stampede like jumped off of the cliff and it was just like super creepy and automatically you're just like okay something's wrong like with this place i don't know what it is oh and then it's so it's officially nighttime we're shown big huge building it says something about like arctic research facility so it's called the salal station and you know it's pretty normal like science place we see a bunch of men kind of just going about their lives i think we see one on a treadmill mm -hmm. oh yeah they're watching that movie um ferris bueller's day off that annoying song was playing <laughs> like that <laughs> I don't know what that song is called, but I know it's a Beatles song. One's like exercising. One was like doing a math equation or something on the on like a whiteboard. And then we get a guy, and I don't know if he's live streaming, but he was making a sandwich. And his friend behind him, I don't know if he's having a seizure. I don't know if he was uh, being possessed. Something was going on with that man. You know, he was like shaking and choking, and he turns around. The the man, he just like full stops seizing and he turns around and he just kind of says something she's awake is what he said the lights went off and it was just like a blackout i didn't know what the mystery was going to be oh it was just a little strange and like it felt spiritual i guess like it felt like mm -hmm. is this man being possessed like what's going on with these animals i don't know something just was super off there's like a time jump we skip ahead, um, I believe it was three days, we skip ahead and there's like a delivery truck arriving at Salal Station. And the man, he goes in, he um, is looking for, you know, these scientists, like, you know, hey guys, like, where are you? <laughs> Scooby-Doo, where are you? Um. <laughs> um, when he was looking down the hallway, there was like a figure that ran past. <gasps> there was! don't know if it's fully like it looked kind of humanish but more also like animalish in yeah. nature as well yeah he did he saw something and he can't find anybody but he does find a piece of somebody <laughs> he looks underneath the table and he sees the tongue he looked under like the kitchen table where that man was like making a sandwich and there is a tongue a tongue lying on the ground and then bam we get the opening credits and we hear billy eilish 
kind of funny. The opening credits got a lot of hate, actually. I thought it tied it perfectly together. Like, I felt it. It made it feel modern, I guess. I like that. I was trying to figure out what song she was singing for, like, the opening credits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, I didn't. I didn't immediately clock it either. Like I was like, huh? Like I, like I know the song and I know I've heard it before. It, it's uh, "Bury a Friend" by Billie Eilish. I don't know. I just thought it set the tone really well. It does, and I'm kind of wondering if it's like some type of foreshadowing. <gasps> Me too. I thought that same thing, especially the lyrics. I think she does mention missing a tongue in that song. Um, it is different. The other seasons they open with, it's usually like an old song like a like a johnny cash or like a i don't remember the exact singer but you know it's like that kind of song like a Mm -hmm. but i like it i like it a lot so the credits end and uh we're introduced to one of our detectives evangeline evangeline navarro she arrives on the scene it's not like the scene it's not the science building it's like a different place i think it was like a meat factory or something so i saw hot dogs i saw hot dogs on the ground some type of processing factory. Yeah. She arrives and there's like an assault that happened. Um, this man's like lying on the ground. It looks like he has like a broken nose or whatever. And that's that's kind of why she's there. Um, just like a domestic violence like case. Um, I don't know if you've noticed. Okay, when she was talking to the, the victim, there's this girl there with like, you know, a bag of ice over her eye. And she was talking to her, and she saw that she was missing fingers. Uh, I, and I barely noticed it. Um, I think it was like a second watch, but like the girl's missing fingers. She just looked kind of pissed about it. Navarro, she was like, are you missing these fingers because of, you know, your boyfriend? I guess it kind of showed like Navarro is worrying about like a female, like domestic violence. And I, I don't know. I really like that about her. And that's kind of all we get of her. Um, oh, she, no, she gets a phone call. So her phone starts ringing, she answers it, and then we f- we switch, we flip to a different detective. And who is it? It's Jodie Foster. Ugh. The way I like, <laughs> the way I was like grinning ear to ear whenever, and they were playing music too, they gave her a whole intro. Um, she's like pulling up to the science building, and she like turned off her car, and she stepped out of like the car. And then I don't know, it just looks so, she looks so badass. And I think that was like just for the Jodie Foster fans. <laughs> her, re- yes. her grand return. Yes, it, it literally was. Like they gave her music and then she was like, I don't know. She was so silent and she was just like looking around and she was like, hmm, like here I am. I don't know. It was just so beautiful to behold. I think that's when I went and fixed popcorn. I was like, okay, like. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm set. Like, this is, like, not only did we get, like, a cool opening sequence, opening title sequence, now we're getting, like, the badass women entering the picture. Oh, and that's what else I was going to mention. These are female detectives. Um, The other seasons did not have this. Um, I think there was a f- one female in the second season, which I didn't watch the second season. But um, this is the first time, like, we've gone, like, both detectives are female. And that's also why I was, like, super excited to watch this. Coming from season one, I think it was Louisiana in the middle of summer. So it was, like, hot, and everybody was sweating. Like, the men were always sweating. Um, the sun was always out. 
And then season three was also two men detectives, and it was in Arkansas where that took place. So it's also like a sunny, like foresty kind of town. And now, like we're with two women, it's snowing and cold all the time. I don't know, it's just such a cool change from the other seasons. Okay, so we're back at Salal Station. You know, Jodie Foster enters the scene. Her name is Liz, Liz Danvers. I think she's she's the chief. One thing that she clocks is that all of these scientists, their cars are still here. Um, nobody, like, drove away. Um, that was one of the things she clocks as she's, like, pulling into their little garage. She's like, oh, like, everybody's car is still here. And then she talks to one of her deputies, uh, Hank. Hank Pryor. She's talking to him, and she's like, oh, well, we know they didn't drive away because everybody's car is still here. And he's like, hmm. So they both enter the building, her and Hank. And there's a song, that song playing, that Beatles song, which this was, this scene was a little strange because it's kind of like, I don't, it, I don't think it's been answered yet. It's kind of like she almost had like a trauma response to this song. Like right when she walked in, uh, the Beatles was blasting. So when, when that um, delivery driver was there, um, mm -hmm. he did check that room. He went to the TV and it skipped like the exact moment when the when the blackout happened that song bounced back to that moment and like that song was just playing on like a loop so the music's still playing whenever the cops arrive and she's immediately like where's that music coming from and she like barges in <laughs> the door and she like is freaking out over the song playing and that's that's why i was like huh is this like a trauma response or is this like She's just so annoyed that music is blasting at a crime scene. Like, I, I didn't know what to make of that, but I was like, damn, like, she really wants this music off. <laughs> she does. I have a theory for that when we get to it in oh, okay. a bit. In a bit. Okay, okay, okay. She's trying to, like, turn, on, turn it off, and she's, like, feeling around the TV where Ferris Bueller's blasting music. And um, we're introduced to everybody's favorite rookie detective, uh, Peter, <laughs> Peter Pryor. None of the cabinets open, and then she's just like freaking out. She's like pushing on the entertainment center, like trying to open the cupboards. And I think she ends up kicking the door open to the cupboard. She turns it off, and then I think she just says like, "Oh yeah, I just hate the Beatles so much." <laughs> and then she's just kind of just starts going. She's like asking questions. She's like, "Okay, oh, hey, like, what is this place? Where am I?" Because they don't know much about this place. Um, it's just some science building in the middle of the snow, basically. We don't know who it's funded by. So, like, Peter and Hank, I thought immediately, okay, I wonder if that's his dad. Because um, Peter starts talking and he starts kind of just list listing off some of the facts. There's a research place. We don't know who it's funded by. We don't know really what they're doing here, what they're trying to research. And then Hank, the deputy, he's like, you need to speak up. <laughs> what did I you was think? getting vibes from it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I didn't know if he was just, like, being an asshole or, like, you know, if that was his dad or something or it's just somebody he knew or, like, but I was like, huh. But mm -hmm. it did feel like a very dad thing to say. <laughs> this was the best part. Liz puts on her glasses and then the music starts. Like, cue the montage. Like, I love this part of <laughs> 
of like mystery movies and stuff like that mystery shows is when the like montage starts and everybody like splits up and they're looking for clues the montage starts uh, there's like music going uh, peter is like doing a voiceover and he's like all right so here's the breakdown here's the mystery eight men all work here they're all men which is a little strange he's like these eight scientists work here microbiologist one's a bio chemist one's a physicist like he's like listing off all these like credentials that these people have and what are they researching exactly and he's like oh i think they're trying to find the origin of life but all these men are missing there's nobody here they go around to each room and they notice that everything is like they just dropped everything and just are gone um there's like half empty cups on the tables and then like another guy he didn't even finish eating his sandwich <laughs> Like, everything's just empty, and there's just no clue, like, where they went to. Uh, and they find their cell phones. Like, everybody's cell phone is still here. They find a whiteboard that, that that one scientist was writing on, doing the math equations. And it says, we are all dead, in huge uh, uppercase letters. We are all dead. And Hank suggests, oh, maybe they just wandered outside for their research purposes. Like, I don't think we need to be getting worried because, you know, they could just be on like an expedition. She wanted to put a warning up for them, I believe, or oh. to tell their family. Yeah. He was like, we don't need to worry them. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah, that's what, that's what it was. Hank, that's what he said. We don't need to start like a whole big, you know, fuss over there. They also say, I think it was Peter. He said, oh, their families, they're from all over the world. So like contacting their families is going to take time. But already I was, like, kind of weird about Hank. Like, we don't need to worry about these eight missing men. For Hank, I just feel like he's maybe he's, like, kind of a lazier, laid-back character, like, who doesn't want to do stuff. Yeah, just like your typical, like, small-town cop. Like, like it's not a big deal. Like, let's not, you know, worry too much. Let's not go crazy here. I think he actually says that, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Peter and Danvers are on it, though. I love their chemistry together. She's like, all right. Well, they're trying to figure out the timeline. These men have been missing, for, but for how long? I kind of had to laugh at this, but she's like, look at the mayonnaise. <laughs> and um, what she said was that like mayonnaise goes runny like after a couple days. And so that's how she knew like it's been more than couple days that these men have not been back they didn't just go missing tonight or last night like this has been a few days and we're late like we got here we arrived to the scene late is what she says then she says all right she like slaps on her gloves she's like let's look at this tongue <laughs> underneath the table and they're looking at this tongue and peter suggests that it's probably not human um but liz you know she's like mm, like look at it like with my magnifying glass, I think. It was this, it was her glasses. It was her glasses. <laughs> she yeah. Like pulled out and put like so close, and I'm like, oh. Oh, I, I touch it. Yeah, I know. I like shivered too. I was like, mm, like please don't touch this like gross tongue with your glasses that go on your face. <laughs> it's definitely human because of these marks like that are on the side of the tongue or like on the front of the tongue. You only get these marks by doing like a repetitive action. And then she relates it to um, a bot, another body that they found like years ago. But she says like the woman had marks on her tongue exactly like the ones on this tongue. And what she got them from was ice fishing. 
um, she like licks the fishing line and it makes like an indention in your tongue if you do it for however many years that you've been ice fishing. Oh. So she's like, this is a woman's tongue, a native woman. You know, they wrap it in evidence bags. Oh yeah, she says, Hank, can you contact headquarters and put out an APB for these missing men? And Hank is just standing there on his phone. Like, he's just texting away. And that's when I like wrote down, I was like, all right, Hank, you're on my suspect list because I don't know if you're just lazy, but like you're kind of ignoring your boss, the chief of police. And also, why are you on your phone? Like, I thought that was really weird. Like, he could have been, I don't know. To me, he's suspicious because, like, who are you contacting right now that is so important? More important than, like, the case at hand. I don't know. I just thought he was really weird for that. So, needless to say, it's just super suspicious at Salal Station. <laughs> like, something happened here that we need the answers to. We switch to another creepy scene. It's just out in the middle of nowhere. And there's this old lady, her name is Rose, and she's butchering a wolf, I think it was. Wolf or a coyote. Yeah. It was very gory. She was like slicing and dicing this thing. And it coughs like the wolf, like it's alive. That was really creepy. I think her radio that she's listening to goes all staticky and it gets all distorted. She hears something behind her. It's a man. And he's just like barefoot in the snow. It was scary. But I also was just like, oh, like, she's not, she doesn't seem very worried. Because <laughs> she, she's just like, oh, hi, Travis. She had, like, blood on her face. Yeah. She's like, what is wrong with all these people? That's what I want to know. <laughs> what is this? Where am I right now? <laughs> so then we get, we cut back to Danvers. And she's arriving at the police station. Her secretary's like, hey, you got somebody in your office. You don't want to know who it is. And she enters her office, and it's Navarro. So we get, like, a little reunion between these two because they have a history between them. It is not a friendly environment with these two. Like, they have something went on between them. Don't know what it was. You know, it's very icy when they meet. And Navarro has questions. She's like, hey, I got a call. Like, you know, I know you found a female tongue. And Liz, you know, she's like, well, it's not who you think it is. So there's obviously, like, a history between these two. And there's also another mystery. It's like, well, who are you, you know, who are you talking about? Like, Whose tongue are you talking about? Navarro's just super insistent on it. She's like, hey, like, we need to compare if it belongs to this cold case that we worked on back in the day. But Liz, you know, kind of just puts her foot down. We don't know that these two things are related. I'm focusing on missing scientists. But yes, I found a tongue. Who knows if it's related to the old case from back in the day. Like, let me do my work. Like, you don't even work here. I believe Navarro's a state trooper. And Liz is the chief of the police in that town it was kind of alluding to the fact that there's like a bigger mystery or at least like another mystery going on that navarro's interested in i really like that navarro is getting up to leave and she's like you know what you never even cared about that case like you never even cared about the case you never even looked into it and then she storms out peter walks in okay and that's where i paid attention so <laughs> so peter walks in He's like, what, are, what is she talking about? Like, what case? Dan versus says that, oh, there was a case, a cold case that was never solved. And it's on Annie Kotok. Can you bring me that file? So, like, we're kind of trying maybe to see if these cases are related to each other. And then Liz gets a call. And this lady over the phone is, like, screaming. 
um, not in like a scary way, but like she's mad. Like this lady's pissed. She's like yelling over the phone. You need to get here right now. So then we cut to Danvers picking up her, and it's I guess it's her stepdaughter or daughter. Danvers is getting screamed at by this other mom. She's just screaming in Danvers' face, and she's like, this is your daughter causing all these issues. You need to, you know, get her in line or whatever. Mm-hmm. I guess what had happened, I believe they said Leo was 17, and this girl was 15, and they were caught, you know, canoodling by the other girl's mom. I, I don't, hold on, maybe I wrote down the name. Sherry. So Leah and Sherry are girlfriends, and they were caught by Sherry's mom filming a video, an inappropriate video, you know, of them doing things. And it, you know, it obviously blows into this like huge thing because, you know, Liz is called down there and like that's what the screaming match was all about. So Liz is kind of getting on to Leah and I felt kind of bad for her. The the relationship between them is also, I wouldn't say not the healthiest, but it is like ice. Mm-hmm. Like You can definitely feel tension between them. Yeah, there's a lot of tension between them. I guess I liked that Danvers obviously cares about Leah. Yes, she's pissed off. But she has, I feel like in the scene I got that she had like her best interests in mind. And Leo yeah. just like, oh, you're just thinking about me like I'm a criminal. Kind of just, they're having like a back and forth. Bam. There's a, <laughs> there's a car that just like whizzes past them, almost hitting them and just crashes. They like slam on the brakes. It was a very scary moment actually. And then it was just this drunk driver. Liz makes sure Leo's okay. She, she gets out of the car and she goes and she like, yells, screams at this drunk woman, who I guess is kind of like a town drunk or something. I don't really know. Yeah, and she mentioned that she didn't have her license anymore. Yeah, like like you're driving without a license and you're drunk. And she's like rips her out of the car and like slams her against the, the driver's side. <laughs> and I think somebody even yells like from a building somewhere. They're like, <laughs> is that Stacy again? Is she drunk? <laughs> but I thought it was nice like seeing also that Liz is also a capable cop just like we saw with Navarro like these these two women are both good at their jobs they don't mess around when it comes to work and I really liked that but also Mm -hmm. that moment between a mother and daughter Liz and Leah was interrupted you can kind of see like their tension is not resolved I guess is the whole point of that like Mm -hmm. this is these issues between them like they're not settled it was just kind of heartbreaking, especially for Leah. Like, I felt really bad for her. But also, I understood Liz as, like, a mom like, coming from that. Not a mom. But <laughs> I, I just understood her point of view of, like, just trying to protect her kid. It's not a good relationship, but it is a good starting point. Then we go, we flip. We go to Navarro. And she's waiting outside of a mine. And it looks like a coal mine, I, I think. I'm not sure what kind of mine. I don't know if there's coal in Alaska. I don't know what type of mine, but it's a mine. And she's waiting outside of the main entrance to the mine and everybody's getting off of work. All these men covered in like smut, not smut. That's, that's the wrong word. (laughs) (laughs) That might be the right word for this. Soot? Yeah. No, sorry. You're right. It is soot. (laughs) Not smut. Not smut. That's that's later in the, in the show. No. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) But, okay, these men all covered in, like, soot and dirt and, you know, they're all getting off of work. And she is waiting for this one man. His name is Ryan. And he walks up to her and he's like, hey, Navarro, I haven't seen you in a while. She's like, yeah, can we, you know, talk for a minute? So we go to 
Ryan's apartment. She's like, hey, I'm investigating, or there's a case right now that's being investigated. It could be tied to Annie Kotok's case. And we find out that Ryan is actually Annie's brother. Annie Kotok, whenever her body was found, her tongue was missing. So like, she's trying to make, see if these two things are connected. You know, is this severed tongue, does it belong to Annie? Who knows? She's wondering if there's, you know, a connection there and she's just trying to keep her brother in the loop. She asks if Annie has ever mentioned the Salal station. She's like, did she ever say anything about Salal? Did she ever, you know, talk about those scientists? And Ryan says, no, like she never, you know, we didn't talk those last couple of, you know, years. She never mentioned anything about the Salal station. I think Ryan says that he thinks about Annie a lot. And um, he also wonders if Navarro, you know, believes in God. Like they have like this kind of nice little conversation. And we learn, Navarro says like, yes, like she believes in God. And he asks her why. And she said that, oh, her last tour in the military, like, and some, something happened. And we get, like, this creepy flashback of Navarro, and she's in uniform. And she's, like, running, running in, like, I think she's in the Middle East somewhere. Um, she runs to, like, another Marine, and this woman has her, like, she's missing a huge chunk of her head. And it was just super creepy to look at. But she mm. just, like, the woman whispers in Navarro's ear. And um, she just doesn't want to talk about it anymore. She, that's where it cuts off. And she's like, mm, you know, that's that's why I believe in God. Like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to think about it too much. Yeah, Ryan's like, oh, it must be nice. Not thinking that we're just alone in the universe. And she says, oh, yeah. She's super edgy. She's like, oh, yeah, no, we're alone. Like, even God is alone. Hearing her say that, I feel like it ties us into, like, her her mentality, kind of. Yeah. Like, we know she's obsessed with the case that we don't know of just yet. And she has this, like, kind of sad story. Yeah. Of, like, God and how, like, he's alone. And so maybe, like, we're alone. Maybe that's how she feels. It, it does say a lot about her mentality. And I don't know. It is. It was kind of sad, actually. But um, one thing that I clocked here as well is that um, she asked for a glass of water. And Ryan, he's like, oh, um, you don't want the water. It went bad three days ago. And I, and I made a note of that because I was like, oh, well, what happened three days ago? That was the night the sun oh went goodness. down. Yeah, yeah. That was the night that these, the sun went down. That was the night where the scientists went missing. That was the night when those caribou jumped off the cliff. That was, that was three days ago. And I was just like, huh. Like, that's interesting. Navarro gets a call, and this man, he's like, hey, it's happening again. And she arrives at this, like, hotel. Um, she, she goes inside, and she talks to her sister, and we meet Jules. And I think her name is Julia, but she calls her Jules. And she's like, yeah, I shouldn't have called the police. I was just having another panic attack. And I think she pleads with her. She's like, hey, like, don't, I don't want to go to a hospital. I don't want to, like, go to a, a home or a facility or anything like that because I don't want to end up like mom. What I thought, what I took away from that, I was like, okay, I don't know what mental illness she has, if it's like schizophrenia or something, but they're alluding to the fact that, you know, there's something, you know, with Jules that's happening. Yeah. But also loved that there's like a sister dynamic with Navarro. Like, she's not just this cold police officer that we have seen. 
she, you know, she has a relationship with her sister and she cares about her sister. And I really, really liked that that was shown. Then we go back to the police station. And who's there? Everybody's favorite rookie detective, <laughs> Peter. <laughs> now, Peter has been doing some investigating. He's digging up these people's finances. He wants to know who owns the Salal station. He wants to know what the research is funding. And he's going over this paperwork with Danvers. He's interrupted because this little Stacy, you know, drives a lot, is screaming from the jail cells. And it is annoying. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was annoying. It was. <laughs> All I wanted was to hear Peter's sultry voice going over finances. And it was interrupted by this woman screaming at the top of her lungs. And all of a sudden, she just stops. <laughs> You're just like, what's happening? <laughs> and then so Danvers and Peter go to see, and it's Hank. Hank's letting this drunk woman out of her cell. And he's like, I'm putting all of us out of our misery. Danvers is like, by the book about it. She's like, no, this woman's still drunk. So it's funny because you can kind of see the relationship between Danvers and Hank. Because she says, um, I'm not letting some drunk woman out of the jail cell just because she gives you a blowjob sometimes. <laughs> It's weird. There's like a weird power dynamic there. And I think it's because Danvers is a woman. Like that, that's kind of the thing. Like that's what I think. Like Hank is, you know, this old man kind of set in his ways, a female boss. So Danvers puts Stacy back in her cell and she asks Hank, she's like, hey, I need a file, a cold case file that actually you have. And it's on Annie Kotok. I remember you taking that file home with you and I need it back. He's like, huh, I don't remember that, but I'll look for it. And I'll, I'll get it to you if I find it. Like another tally, another check mark on my Hank is sus list. Like, why are you hoarding files? Mm -hmm. Speaking of Hank, we switch over to Peter. And this is, Peter's not working. He's at home. I think he's kind of looking over some of the case stuff. But we see that he has a son. His little son is like under his work desk. And he's like drawing pictures with crayons. And I don't, that was just super nice to see. But also, the drawing was not nice. The drawing was... Kind of scary. <laughs> drawing was not pleasant, and it was not a cute little drawing either. It looked like a drawing of a woman bleeding from her hands. And he calls out to Kayla, who's his wife. So Peter's married to Kayla, and they have a son named Darwin, which is so cute. That's such an adorable name. What is this drawing? She's like, oh, that's like an old, you know, Native American legend. Oh, yeah, Grandma was telling Darwin a story, and that's just what that drawing is. You know, it's just an old Native American legend. <laughs> Peter's like, oh, well, that's going to give him nightmares. I think she says, like, oh, you're such a white boy. It was just so cute oh to God. see. <laughs> and then things get a little steamy. It's a little scandalous. They kind of start, you know, holding each other and kissing on each other. Things get a little hot and steamy. And he gets a phone call, and it's work. It's Danvers. And then at first, he tries to ignore it, but then, like, she keeps calling, and she keeps calling, and the phone keeps ringing. One thing I noticed was, like, Kayla, like, bit him, and he just, like, kind of pushed her off. She's like, are you serious? Like, <laughs> work ends at 6 o'clock. Like, you know, you don't, you're not at work right now, you're at home. It was just super awkward. I like, felt like maybe he's done maybe something like this before in the past, and that's why she's so annoyed. Yeah, like a workaholic or something. Mm -hmm. And then... Yeah, and then also she was getting ready to leave. She was getting ready to go to her night shift as a nurse. This is probably like, yeah, he's done something like that before. And this is probably like the only time that they have together when there's not the babysitter there, when the grandma's not there babysitting. You know, before she goes to work, he's off of work. Yeah, she was not happy. And he was not happy. Was I a little happy? Maybe. 
<laughs> was, I, was I happy to see this relationship going down in flames? Maybe. Maybe oh not. my gosh. No. <laughs> Peter finally answers the phone. And it's Danvers. And she's like, hey, I need you to grab the Annie Kotok file from your dad's house. We cut to Peter arriving at Hank's house. Peter lies to Hank. And he's like, hey, I need to grab like an old photo from, you know, the storage room. It's just, I just need an old photo of myself uh, for the baby, for Darwin. Hank is like, oh yeah, okay. Show me what it is that you're taking and you can have it. He's obviously hiding from his dad. And he even shoves it out the window when he finds the file. He's like, you know what, I'm going to set this outside. Puts it outside the window. And I thought he was caught. Because when he turns around, his oh dad is gosh. just, Hank is just standing there in the doorway. <laughs> I, I did too. That part <laughs> kind of scared me. <laughs> but this is the part... You may be wondering why I'm like simping over Peter. This is the part when I realized Peter reminds me of somebody. And I don't know if you know who it is that Peter reminds me of, but I'm going to tell you, he, this lighting, the way the lighting was hitting him in this scene, because there was like, there was like a huge lamp, like facing Peter. And, um, I was like, oh my gosh, Peter reminds me of Leon. Leon Kennedy from Resident Evil. My goodness. And it's the way his hair is parted. It's the way his, like, the length of his hair and that he was in, like, a cop uniform. I was just like, oh, my gosh. I was like, this is Leon Kennedy. Peter is... <laughs> I sent for Peter now. Oh, Peter kind of reminds me of... I believe his name is Reed. Oh, Reed from uh, Criminal Minds. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I could see that. He... Yeah, especially because he's always on his computer and he's always, I feel like he's always one step ahead and he always makes sure that he's one step ahead. You know, like he yeah. he's workaholic. He's he's the know-it guy is he what is. I was getting from. I was like, oh. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, he's definitely like the investigator that is prepared. Like he's he's ready with the answers for Danvers as she's asking them. Like, <laughs> And if he's not ready, he's on his way. Like, it, it's so cool. But, um. Yeah, so he turns around and Hank is standing there and he's like, let me see what you took. And he shows me, he just like lifts like this little picture of like a little baby Peter. He's like, oh, let's just have this photo. He's like, okay. So flash forward, Peter's taking these files over to Danvers' house. So Danvers gets the file and he's like, hey, are these two cases connected? Like the missing scientists and then Annie Kotok? And like, if so, how are they connected? Danvers just shoots it down. She's like, no, they're not connected. I just wanted to look at some old stuff in this file. He says something about like being super uncomfortable about stealing from his dad. And he kind of wants to put them back, like just take the files back if she won't tell him what the connection is. <laughs> like he's kind of like bluffing with her. <laughs> so she does. She tells him. She's like, all right, this, this was the case. Annie Kotok, she was found murdered. Her body was found by Navarro. Navarro used to be an officer there in Ennis, Alaska. Navarro found the body, was the first on the scene, and this body was just beaten. Like, Annie, Annie Kotok was just beaten to death. And she had weird wounds. Um, she was stabbed with, like, a, a star-shaped object. And the circumstances were just really weird. Because Annie, I guess, was an activist in this town. She was protesting the mines. Um, she was trying to get the mines shut down with, like, I guess, like a group of activists. 
and they used to like protest and they used to like cause just like a bunch of stress in the town and then bam she was murdered and there was nobody found guilty for it there was no leads to go on and also her tongue was cut out of her mouth to peter he's like okay so that's what we're investigating and i'm glad she keeps him on the loop like in on the because i want peter on the team (laughs) i want i think i think he's an asset to this team (laughs) Um, she also mentions that Annie is a midwife, um, and I had to remember what that was. Uh, but a midwife, don't they, like, help with natural births, right? I or believe like, so, or just, like, births in general. Births in general. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, they, like, they're kind of like a, a stand-in for a doctor. Danvers also mentions that whenever this case happened, Hank was the chief of police. They didn't solve anything. Um, Danvers came to town, became the chief. I think she was placed there. One of the reasons why Navarro, or at least we can assume, we don't know for sure, but we assume that that's one of the reasons Navarro is no longer working there. Because I guess people, she started bothering people, like, off. You know, she started investigating the case without approval. And, you know, that's kind of somewhat of the tension between those two. No, Danvers' phone goes off. It just, like, chimes a little bit. And um, Peter's like, ooh, you got, like, a a hot Tinder date? (laughs) She's like, no, I play fantasy football. We flash over to somebody who does have a hot Tinder date. Navarro. She's, like, knocking on this, like, door. This guy answers. Very handsome guy. Uh, And I think he calls... He doesn't call her Navarro. He calls her by her, like, her government name. It's like, hey, Evangeline. What's up? (laughs) And then, um, bam, they are canoodling. They are (laughs) in our faces with it. These two are getting very intimate with each other. But also, Navarro is beautiful. I just wanted to remark on that because, like, she's, like, muscular, but she's still, like, feminine. And I love that it's showing that. Like, Like, she's still, like, yes, she's in shape and stuff, but she's also still a woman. Because I feel like a lot of times whenever you see a woman with piercings and tattoos and like she's muscular and tough she is shown like in a manly way i just like how it showed that she's still a woman i guess and not like she doesn't have to take on these manly qualities Mm -hmm. because of how she looks this man's name is kavik and they're just kind of talking and we find out that kavik actually is her sister's boss but kavik said that Jules has not been showing up to work. And Navarro, she says, oh, like, you know, is it, you know, really become like a huge issue? And he's like, no, 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 it's just been a couple of times, but I do want to keep you in the loop that sometimes she misses work and I don't know where she is. The relationship between Navarro and Kavik is a little weird because it's like a little flirtatious and obviously they just had, you know, sex with each other, but they're not close. Like, I think they do kiss, but, you know, they're just kind of, like, flirty with each other. And mm-hmm. he even tells her, he's like, you know what? Next time you call me, I'm really not going to answer this time. And then uh, she just, like, brushes her teeth. He has a SpongeBob toothbrush. <laughs> <laughs> but she brushes her teeth, which, remember that, Waffles, because it's part of my theory. And then she leaves with his toothbrush, by the way. We flash over to Danvers, and Danvers is brushing her teeth as well. Leah comes in the bathroom, and she's like, hey... I wanted to talk about earlier about the drunk driving. She said, we never talk about what happened. We never talk about, you know, 
the incident, Danvers is like, I'm going to take a shower. Like, she doesn't want to talk about the drunk driving, whatever happened with the drunk driving. Um, it's just it's something that's alluded to. We, we aren't given the full picture. So whenever they got into that almost car crash, she went out and she spoke to the woman. And she seemed like, I know that she would be upset, especially with her in the car, this young child in the car. Yeah. But I also seemed that it was very, like, like more aggressive. Oh, like she took it, like, personal. Yeah. And so that makes me wonder if there was, like, a car crash in the past. And that's how she got her daughter now. Yeah, because you know what? Um, Whenever Danvers was walking up to the drunk driver's car, she stepped on some glass. And we got, like, a quick flash to um, a, a daytime scene. And there was, like, glass on the ground. And Danvers was, like, crunching over it. And she just, like, stopped. Danvers just stopped and she like kind of came back to the present time and she would like took a breath and then she finally went and confronted the drunk driver. I do remember that now. So yeah, that's a that's an interesting theory. And I bet it is something like that. And then how you mentioned the how she you felt like there's maybe trauma with that song. Like maybe that song was possibly like playing, playing in the background of the, the band. Ooh, yeah. I, I bet that's what it is. Oh, <laughs> oh wait, wait. Leah does say one thing before Danvers closes the door. She says, you know what, Liz, you really don't have to pretend to be my mom or act like my mom. Yeah. And then Liz just like closes the door. And that was kind of sad. We haven't reached the part where it's my theory yet, but Danvers brushed her teeth, took a shower and went to bed. Okay. Remember that she has this like weird, I don't know if I want to call it a nightmare, but a little baby's arm like wraps around her shoulder she says a name i think she says holden she like whispers it and she's like holden baby says she's awake just like the scientist said in the beginning and then um, she jumps awake liz like wakes up and then she's like you know kind of like breathing heavy the baby's arm like she looks behind her and like there's nothing there super creepy but also, like, weird. Like, what the hell? Danvers is, like, breathing heavy. And then we flash over to Navarro. And Navarro's driving. And she's driving down, like, the main street of the city. She stops because there's a polar bear just walking across the road. And um, she also hears that same phrase. It's like a woman whispering. And it says, she's awake. And... Um, Navarro sees this polar bear, and the polar bear only has one eye, and it looks injured. And it's just standing there staring at her. This goes with my theory, because Ryan, when Navarro was talking to Ryan, Annie's brother, he said something's wrong with the water. Navarro brushes her teeth and has a weird vision with the polar bear. Danvers brushes her teeth and has a weird vision about Holden, and hears that same, you know, she's awake. And oh. yeah, so I'm like, what is it the water? Is something going on to, with the water and it's just like maybe messing with people's minds? Or is something spiritual happening here? But they kept bringing up the water. Not not really, not in like, it was a very subtle way. Brushing your teeth with water, you're going to get that into your system. So I don't know if, it, if they're, you know, going with, you know, something something's happening with the water in this town. But that was one of my theories. Good theory. <laughs> gonna say that polar bear with one eye it was in the beginning the theme for the show yeah it was and also somewhere else i don't know oh. if it was with uh the little darwin when, we also 
When Danvers woke up from her nightmare, there was a polar bear teddy bear. Yeah, okay, lying, that's where it was. Yeah, and it was like lying on the ground, and it also had one eye. Yes. And, and that was at the same time that Navarro was having her vision. So I want to know, I want answers, because I want to know if this polar bear is something that Danvers is related to, something that Navarro is related to, or something that Annie saw, or those scientists. Like, what the hell is up with this polar bear? Why does it keep popping up everywhere? But speaking of weird visions, we go back to Rose. And she's, like, chilling at her house. I think she butchered her little wolf. And then she looks outside and she sees that barefoot man standing in the snow again. She puts on her coat and she goes outside. She starts following this man just off into the darkness. And he's not wearing shoes. She's all bundled up because, yes, it's snowy and freezing. She has a flashlight with her. We don't know where they're going. Then we go back to Danvers, and Danvers is having like a little bit of a montage moment. She can't sleep. She starts looking at these case files. She looks at the missing scientist case files, Then she also cracks open Annie Kotok's case files, and she puts them like side by side. She's like grouping them all together. These photos are in the snow. These photos are of people. She notices something, a picture of Annie Kotok. Annie Kotok is wearing like this pink parka like this jacket with like fur and she hurries up and she like shuffles through the pictures of the scientists and one of the scientists is wearing that exact pink jacket but like they're wearing like a similar jacket to each other these cases are connected in some way and we don't know how annie was wearing the scientist's jacket or the the scientist was wearing annie's jacket and how that happened who knows then we flash back to rose rose is standing in it's just the middle of a, of ice, like dark ice field. And the barefoot man is like walking ahead of her and he stops. And he does like this creepy dance on the ice, dancing and sh she's like shining the light at him. Then he just points. He just points off into the darkness and she just starts walking to where he like pointed. Like the look on her face, like that's how I was looking at this at the screen. The flashback to Danvers. And she can't sleep. She made this like weird connection between the scientist and Annie. So she drives to the Salal station. Somebody's there. Like she hears footsteps. And she like takes out her little gun and she's like, show yourself. Whoever's there, come out with your hands up. And who walks around the corner? Navarro. You know you're trespassing, Navarro. <laughs> she's like, yeah, well, what are you going to do? Arrest me? Like even though there's like a weird dynamic between them like they're not friendly to each other but i do like their chemistry together though like i can tell that they work maybe they have a respect for each other just by the way they talk to each other danvers tells navarro that like she made like a connection you know between the cases that there's a jacket maybe it doesn't mean anything maybe it does but she wants to find this jacket and so they start like going through the different rooms seeing if they can find the pink jacket anywhere and they don't they don't turn up anything navarro she takes a picture of the man who's wearing the pink jacket and she's like, you know what, I'll ask around. You know, I'll ask, you know, people if they know this man. They kind of have a like a conversation about whose case this is. And Navarro tells Danvers that Danvers never cared about the case. She never investigated it. She never cared to look at the case in depth, as in depth as Navarro cared to look at it. I, I really like this point of the episode because she mentions Annie was an activist and she was just shown like so much hate. It was sad, but it was just like a good point to make. They didn't come to a conclusion about anything, you know? It was kind of like they started talking and um, 
Navarro said that there was like a racial end to what happened with Annie. And Danvers kind of, I don't think she took offense. I think she was offended by that because she says something about it. You know, that's not true. Like it would have happened to anybody. But just seeing both angles of that, Navarro suggesting that like, oh, this could have been something racially motivated. And then just seeing somebody like shut that down super quickly. But I did like that they at least touched on it. And the fact that it was not solved as well. And the fact that like resources weren't spent on finding who did this. I appreciated it a lot that Navarro was the one who said something about it. Danvers gets a call and it's Peter and he says like, hey, we found something out on the ice. We jump into a helicopter, flown out into the middle of nowhere. Navarro and Danvers, they rode together and they get out of the helicopter and there's already police putting up a crime scene, like crime scene tape here and like putting up lights. Everybody's here. Old Lady Rose found something out on the ice. They walk past Rose and Navarro says like, how'd you find this place? Whatever you found here, like how did you find this area? And Rose says, Travis showed me. Like, Travis led me here. That's when we get, like, the surprise. Travis was dead. Travis was a ghost, like, leading her to this place, which I kind of... Did you see that coming? I feel like I did. I thought I was a crackhead. <laughs> like, I... Oh. <laughs> Until he started dancing, then that's when I was like, oh, wait. At one point, it kind of shows his face a bit, and you can see his eyes a bit, like, glossed over. Yeah, they were. Kind of like, you know, when you shine a light like a dog or, like, a wolf or something. Yeah. Or, like... They like glowed. Navarro is like, Rose, Travis is dead. And Rose is just like content with that. She's like, yeah, I know. I know he is. What do we find on the ice? So we walk through the crowd of, you know, other officers there. Navarro and Danvers standing side by side. And we're shown there's bodies frozen inside the ice. I think I see like three or four people frozen in the ice. And it's all men, at least from what I can tell. Are these the scientists? We don't know. Because it just cuts to black. And that was where the episode ended. Knowing me, I really don't enjoy cliffhangers. <laughs> I always, I just always want to know, like, who they are or what's going to happen next. Is it the scientist? I, I, one of my theories or predictions is that those are the scientists. What happened to them? Who the hell knows? Because... The look on, I think we see like maybe two of their faces. They're not just like frozen. No, these men, they're like screaming. They're frozen. Yes. Like frozen in time. And they're like, it looks like their last thing that they were doing was screaming and staring at something. Like scared out of their minds. And also, it looked like they didn't have clothes on. We don't know what the hell is happening in Ennis, Alaska. Yeah, my predictions are the bodies are the scientists. And this is just a wild prediction kind of. But I feel like Hank may have something to do with it. Either that or he knows something. It could be the Annie case, but mm. I don't know. I think Hank is super sus, and I am I am watching him. Not as much as I'm watching Peter, but I am watching Hank. Like, I have I have a side eye. I think we're going to get a team up, like an official team up of Navarro and Danvers. They hate each other right now, but I think it's going to happen. It's got to. I also think there's going to be a time jump, mostly because the other seasons of True Detective always... No spoilers at all, but it's always like a they're looking back at a case. There's like a case from the 80s, and we're in present day, and we're like talking about this case back in the 80s, and that's what the show is about. That's that's kind of the format of the other series, the other two, three seasons. So I feel like there may be something like that that happens here. It's not happening now, which I appreciate a lot. It's like we're living like in the moment with this 
mystery. I have another theory. Mm-hmm. Why Hank is maybe like so salty when it comes to the chief. Yeah. I feel like maybe they have like some type of history. Ooh, oh, like relationship history. Mm-hmm. You know, they did have a, especially like the way they joked around with each other and stuff. I did get that a little bit. Like I was like, is this flirting? I remember when she was remarking about the mayonnaise, you know, she was like, you were never a father that fixed sandwiches. Where are you, Hank? I have another theory on her. Navarro. And kind of maybe her past. We know that she has a weird thing about women being abused or hurt. And in the first scene where we meet her, this is guy who's abusing his wife or fiance. Yeah. And, you know, she's, like, very defensive of her. She was upset that... (laughs) She's upset about the case that didn't get solved, and she became very obsessed with it. And then we meet her sister, and it makes me wonder if something tied in the the past with her, and that's why she is the way about women. And also, whatever happened with their mom, there's just, like, a lot of questions with each of these characters that I'm excited to learn about. And I really like how they're formatting like the show episode one is always like the setup a loose end here loose end there loose end there and Uh, yeah and i really like how it's structured the other seasons of true detective there's like a case yes and they call in the best of the best like they call in the detective who's been working there for years and like the best of the best arrives on scene and that's who the show follows But with Navarro and Danvers, Navarro, you know, she's ex-military. She is, she was a police officer and now she's a state trooper. Like these aren't FBI agents coming in and investigating the case. Like these are. They're more realistic than like the other crime shows that I would watch versus people who just know it all or can put like things so quickly together. Yeah. Yeah. And, and. You know, when you're watching like a Criminal Minds episode, you know, the case is solved in one episode. Usually, I think they have some where, you know, that's like, ooh, like ends on a cliffhanger. Part two coming next week or whatever. But, yeah. you know, this one is a slow. Like, like, we did not get any answers really at all. We just got so many questions that we're just <laughs> like, now we need to watch the next episode to Literally. find out, hopefully. Next episode. Yes. <laughs> uh, and I'm so excited. I, I do... Like, I hope you just hang in there if, if it does get <laughs> scary. <laughs> oh, also, I guess, like, some kind of trivia, a little bit of trivia. Um, Ennis, Alaska doesn't exist. Um, it's completely made up. I, oh. thought it, yeah, I thought it was a real town. Um, but no, this place is fiction. I think they model it after, like, a different town that's up there in Alaska. And I don't know which direction they're going to lean. You know, I don't know if they're going to go, like, full spirit world like had everything to do with this or if they're going to be like you know maybe a little bit of both like i think they are going to lean into the spirits as they already did have people seeing kind of like visions yeah of, you know the polar bear with no eye unless it was actually there which is kind of be scary to see <laughs> <laughs> but well, at the end of the season there's going to be a pop quiz that I'm oh my gosh for the podcast no going to be called pod quiz <laughs> no but uh waffles thank you so much for talking to me i don't really know how to do an outro for a podcast so i'm trying to think of something on the fly 
<laughs> I really enjoyed it, and I'm watching a new show now. Yes, oh, it's so good, and, and I'm like trying to convert more people to watch it. I'm like, I'm excited to start this journey with you. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Also, you like the show. Let's let's come back for another episode. <laughs> Definitely. And solve this damn mystery. And that is a wrap on the first episode of We Watched What. I wanted to give a big thank you to Bees and Waffles for discussing the show with me. You can find Bees and Waffles on twitch.tv slash beesandwaffles. And also, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can follow, you can rate, leave a review, all that good stuff. Any feedback will help improve the show and possibly even reach more listeners. But for now, I'm your host, Jarvis Did What. You can find me on Twitch or on other social media at Jarvis Did What. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, go watch something.